So we are actually in the middle of a sort of a series. It's really not a series in, 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 in as much as it's just more of a continuation from last week. There was no way I could get everything in last week. And in fact, I could continue with this for quite some time because there really is a lot of information on this particular subject of abundance. But I feel that I need to go in a direction with you this morning to help you because I think that when it comes to the subject of abundance, there's been a little bit of maybe confusion. There's a lot of different opinions out there. I wanna just let you know that we've been talking about this a lot with my family and even some of the, the team and stuff. You know, The internet is a wonderful thing in that there's so much information out there that's so wonderful, but it's also a horrible thing because there's so much bad information as well. So you need to be careful what you allow yourself to be filled with, even in the kingdom, you know, in terms of church and material that you listen to, be cautious because there's a lot of stuff out there that's just not good, you know? And so you really need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. It's good to listen to things, it's good to be encouraged, and there's, you know, it's wonderful the opportunity we have today to be able to actually go online and listen to all this stuff. But you know, ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and to help you because the last thing you want is to start to get confused. And unfortunately, there's a lot of confusion in the, in the church today because of, because of what we see online. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I'm gonna start with a joke. <laughs> see, it's funny already. Okay, all right. And uh, you know, I only know about four jokes. So there is a possibility that you've heard this joke before, but it's very appropriate for this morning's message. So there was this lady, and she was really a, a wonderful servant of the Lord, and she loved the Lord, and she worshiped God, and she was always praying and praising God for everything, and hallelujah for everything, and you know, her neighbor just couldn't handle her. You know, she was just this religious freak and always glorifying God, and he just didn't believe in the Lord, and he was quite the opposite of her. You know, he was really just, not, didn't serve God, was just a bit of a bitter person and, you know, just really frustrated. And one day he walked past her window while she was praying. And he heard her praying and crying out to God saying, Lord, you know, I don't have even enough money this month for groceries. I'm struggling. I don't have food. And he thought, well, you know, this is my opportunity to catch her out. So he went and bought a whole lot of groceries and placed the groceries in front of her door and hid in the bush. And she came outside, rang the bell, she, she came outside and she opened the door and she saw all the groceries and she raised her hands and she said, Lord, thank you so much for this abundant blessing. Thank you for hearing my prayers. And he jumped out of the bush and he said, you see, I'm the one who bought your groceries. God didn't provide anything for you. And she raised her hands again and she said, thank you, Lord, that you even send the devil to, to bless me. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it actually says at the top of my notes, start with the joke. <laughs> when it comes to the subject of abundance, I think it's important that we establish this right off the top. Your abundance is not necessarily based on how rich or poor you are. Likewise, spirituality is not based on how poor you are. And oftentimes there's a big confusion with this when it comes to understanding the subject of abundance. God desires for each and every one of us to live abundantly. There's no way I can go into all of last week, but I clearly showed you from scripture 
how God wants to bless us abundantly and included in that is finances. But you see, Jesus came to, to really sort the subject out when it came to understanding prosperity and abundance. What most people don't realize is that in the Old Testament, they really connected financial abundance and prosperity to basically like holiness. In other words, if you were financially prosperous, if you had a lot in the Old Testament times, they believed that it's because the hand of the Lord was on you. Now, I think in many cases, there's no doubt that you, you know, God's blessing in those times that, you know, was on those people, no question about that. But that wasn't what true abundance and prosperity was only. There was a lot more to it than that. But it's important for me, to, for me that you understand this morning that there was no doubt, and I've studied this now very, very intently because of where I'm going to be going this morning. You need to keep this in your mind, that the Old Testament saints, those that believed in the Old Testament times, if they saw you have financial blessing, they believed that you were righteous. Okay. I'm so glad you're all happy about that. All right. Let me give you just two scriptures that kind of can show a little bit of this. Proverbs 22, verse 4 says, By humility and the fear of the Lord, so humility, fear of the Lord, in other words, righteousness, are riches and honor and life. And so even when it comes to eternal life, they believe that you know, those that were righteous, those that were, that were blessed were the ones that would in inherit eternal life. That's what they believed. Psalms 112, verse number 2, His descendants will be mighty on the earth, the generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness endures forever. So clearly, there was a connection between righteousness and wealth and riches. That's what many believed in those days. We understand though, that when Jesus came, he came and he preached the message of the kingdom and wanted us to fully understand that the kingdom and in the kingdom, prosperity and success and righteousness is far more than material goods and finances. Romans 14 verse 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we can clearly see that in the kingdom, what we really need from the kingdom what we really desire, what we really need is righteousness, joy, and peace. That's the kingdom. That's what's in the kingdom. Now, obviously, you'll be happier if you have money too. Let's be honest. Amen. But the, the, the fact is, is that it's not money that's going to make you happy. What we desire is that joy, is that righteousness. That's what we desire. John, 3 John verse number 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. I want you to see that again this morning. Prosper in all things. So God wants us to prosper in everything. He says, be in health. In other words, physically, he wants you to also be healthy and to prosper just as your soul prospers. Now remember, the kingdom is not in eating and drinking, righteousness, joy, and peace. And just as we need to prosper in everything, even in our health, so it is that our soul must prosper. Your soul is the part where he's talking about joy and righteousness and peace. That's what happens when our soul is prospering. We're in that place. How many of you in this room 
can, 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 can attest to or, or also agree that the best times in your walk with God have been when you know that you are living right before Him. Or you feel like you, you know, you're doing what's right. You, you know, you're living right before God. Your relationship is good with Him. You know, it's one of the most awesome times to be a Christian, right? When, when you know you're doing things that are not right and you're aware and you've just decided that you're gonna you know, rebel against God and do what your own way, let's be honest, that's normally not that great. So you know that those are the times you're not really seeking the kingdom. Does that make sense? I said to you last week, and I wanna say it again to you this morning, how are you? How is your soul? Do you have that joy? Do you have that peace? Don't think that having lots of money is going to provide that because many, many people have lots of money and no peace and no joy. That's why there'll be this almost like this like desperation, like a, almost like a, like a, the only word that comes to mind is a greed, that they have to have more, but they have to have more because what they have is not enough. Why? Because they're not finding righteousness, they're not finding joy, and they're not finding peace. So abundance isn't just things, material things. What we truly need is in the kingdom, righteousness, joy, and peace. Now, all the other things God takes care of as well because he knows we need those things. Second Corinthians 9 verse number eight says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Listen, there's an all there several times. He wants you to have all grace. He wants you to have all sufficiency and he wants it for you in all things in your life. This is something that you must understand. Now, why would you wanna take prosperity, finances, and, and financial blessing out of that. Why would we wanna exclude that from that? He doesn't say in certain things, he says in all things. So God wants you to be blessed and to be prosperous in all things, in every area of your lives. He says, he says, may has, he says have always having sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So God wants you to have an abundance. Everybody say abundance. God wants to bless you abundantly, and that includes the area of finances. But what you must understand is that finances alone is not true abundance. You see, Jesus taught this to us clearly. Matthew 6, verse 31. Let's go there real quick. He says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Everybody look at me for a minute. He's talking about material things, food, clothing, stuff that we need. God knows that we need these things. Your father knows that you need these things. He wants to give you these things. But the thing is, he says in verse 32, for, all, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But there is something more important. There is something that takes priority. These things will be taken care of. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So in other words, he's saying, listen, I want you to be blessed. I want you to have all the things. But make sure that you are first seeking the kingdom. 
make sure that you are first seeking to walk right because the blessings and what you need comes out of doing that first. In other words, the kingdom, which is righteousness, joy, and peace, should be there even before you have abundance of finances. Amen. What's most important is what's most important to you. I'm going to say that again. What's most important is what's most important to you? Question mark. Let's go to a story in Scripture. Let's go to Matthew 19, verse 16. Matthew 19, 16. Now, just remember, if you were not here last week, please go listen to the whole message last week because it ties in because I'm going to now go in a very specific direction, but in order to understand the fullness of this message, last week was highly recommended. He says in verse 16, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said to him, this is Jesus, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, Keep the commandments. He's saying to him, listen, if you want to have eternal life, the question is, how do I have eternal life? So Jesus says, you need to keep the commandments. So he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven and come, follow me. But when the young man heard that, that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So this guy comes to Jesus, this rich young Eula, he has a lot but he's also a righteous man. He lives upright before God. And when he arrives to Jesus, he says, listen, Lord, he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives him the list of commandments that are really important. He says, I do all of these things. So Jesus says to him, okay, no problem. All you have to do now is go and sell everything you have and come and follow me. And the young ruler gets really upset and walks away miserable. So here's what you need to do. Go and sell everything you have and you'll be fine. <laughs> That's not what he's trying to say. He's trying to teach us something. You see, what was most important was what he was trying to highlight. There was a condition in this young ruler's life. There was a condition in his heart. And then remember what I said to you earlier on. Righteousness was connected to wealth. So in the eyes of everybody watching this rich young ruler, he looked like a really righteous person. But when Jesus said, I want to see what's really important to you, are you willing to give it all up? He turned around and walked away. Now watch what happens, because this is really interesting. Then Jesus said to his, 
Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. So first of all, we must understand, when people read this, they go, yep, that rich guy, there ain't no way he's going to get through the eye of a sewing needle. That's not what it's talking about. The eye of the needle is a hole, a door in, the, in, in Jerusalem, the, the size of a door, and a camel can get through it. It's just that what he's trying to say here is that, listen, you cannot serve two masters. It's either God or mammon. Who's more important? What's most important to you? If your heart is for mammon and not for God, it's going to be difficult for you. Are you with me? When the disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? They're like, God, this guy, Lord, this guy, he's, he's, he's wealthy, he's, he's successful, he's righteous. If he can't make it, who can? Why? Because they are basing it off what, what they understand as righteousness from the past. And Jesus is saying, you're missing it, guys. And look at what he says. He says, he says, but Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen. Amen. Why? Because the fact is, is that what's most important, the thing that will truly bring you joy, the thing that will truly bring you peace and, and righteousness is when you put God first. The amount of money here or what was required is not the question. Zacchaeus did not need to give everything to God. He did not have to give everything. He just gave a portion and he was highly blessed. So it's not about that. It's all about the heart condition. You see, in the church today, when it comes to the subject of giving, we get very, very sensitive, unnecessarily, completely unnecessarily. Because the question is simply this, is that where is your heart when it comes to the subject are you willing to give everything for the king if he asks you to do it? And the truth is, individually, that's a hard one to sometimes answer. Remember, Abraham, it was, it was accounted for him righteousness because he believed God. But one of the things that causes him to enter into that righteousness or to show us that he was righteous is because he gave a tithe. How do we know he had faith? Because of his works. Because he gave to the Lord. He was willing to do it. Are you with me? And there was a great blessing from the Lord towards Abraham. Now, let's go to another story. Are you guys okay? Amen. All right. Let's go to Matthew 22, verse 15. Matthew 22, verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth, nor do you care about anyone. For you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Everybody look at me. What is the question? The question is, should we pay tax? That's the question. Is there any other question? No. 
There is only one question. Should we pay our taxes? Now watch the response from Jesus. But Jesus perceived the wickedness and said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, render, therefore, to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But that's not where he stops. He goes on and he says, and to God the things that are God's. So Jesus takes this question and uses it as an opportunity to teach us something. He says, give to Caesar what he Caesar's, and he says, give to God what is God's. So what belongs to God? I'm so glad you're asking so many questions this morning. Let's go in our Bibles to Malachi 3, verse number 8. Uh-oh, Malachi, here we go. What belongs to God? He says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. He says, you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Let's stop there. We can see that what belonged to God was the tithe. That's the portion that belonged to the Lord. Now, you might be sitting there saying, well, you know, Pastor Alex, this was before the cross, and you know we're not under the law. You're right. We are not under the law. But I want you to see something here, because we're talking about a heart condition, and we're talking about abundance. Who of you want to walk in abundance? Watch now. He says in verse number 10, bring all the tithes, Tithes simply means 10% into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Okay, we understand that. There's nothing theologically difficult to understand. He says, and try me now in this. There is no other theological description or explanation necessary. God simply says, bring the tenth, bring the tithe to the storehouse and try me in it. This is what he says. He says, and try me now in the says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. Does that sound like a curse to you? Does that not sound like a blessing to you? It's a blessing. If we bring our tithes, if we obey God, there is a response from heaven to that obedience. He not only stops there, he goes on. Don't you love it when there's a second blessing on the first blessing? He says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, when we bring the tithe, when we bring the tenth into the storehouse, God says that he will bless us, he will open the windows of heaven for us, and that he will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Listen to me, church. You may go to many places where they will not teach this, but I must teach it because I care enough about you to tell you and to show you that there is a blessing attached to giving. You don't have to do anything. You are not forced to do anything. When I read to you in the beginning about the rich young ruler 
and told you that we have to give everything to God, how did you feel? It was a good feeling, wasn't it? You see, it's not the percentage, 100%, 10%. The question is your heart. You see, as I said earlier, the tithe was not implemented in the law. The tithe was implemented through Abraham. And all righteousness and faith comes from Abraham. Abraham was the one who said that he would give a tithe to Melchizedek, who's a type of Christ. Now, I'm not going to get into Hebrews 7, but we know we have that same priesthood today. And it's a powerful thing. But what you must see is that before there was any law, Abraham gave a tenth. Then his son, Isaac, also gave a tenth. Then his son, Jacob, also gave a tenth before the law. So why did they do it? Because they were in covenant with God and they wanted to give to him out of their own desire to do so. Because the law of sowing and reaping was also implemented before the law, when they were doing this, God would honor it by rewarding them. It then came into the law. Now here's the thing, is that you don't need to do anything. You are not forced to do anything. You are not under a curse because we're under grace. But so many Christians walk around today and they don't walk in abundance and they want to know why. The first question is, do you tithe? Because the only guarantee I can give you is what the Bible says, that if you do tithe, there is a blessing that will come your way. There are conditions. In Deuteronomy, we see there are conditions to all the different blessings in all the different areas of your life. If you want to walk in abundance, in prosperity, tithing is something that you should desire to do, not something that is forced upon you. I teach my team, I've taught my staff more than once. I'll say to them, how are you doing, guys? No, this and that, this and that. Are you tithing? Are you tithing? Why? Because I love you. I care about you. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be financially blessed. I want you to be prosperous in your finances. This is, not, this is specifically referring to finances now. Abundance is far more than just finances. But why do so many Christians, they're so faithful and so loyal in prayer, they're so faithful and so loyal in so many different areas, but when it comes to tithing, well, we're not under the law, you know, we're under grace. But yet they suffer financially. And they don't understand why. When God clearly says in His Word that He will bless you, number one, abundantly, if we if we give a tithe, and number two, that he'll rebuke the devourer. It's a powerful principle. Amen. I've taught you guys how scripturally, in order for us to walk in abundance, the first thing that we should do is seek the kingdom first. Then all the things will be added to us. 
Seeking the kingdom first means we seek God first in every area of our lives. I've taught you that. Finances is included in that. So when we work our budget out as believers, the first line item in the budget should be the kingdom. Because we put God first. Are you with me? If one individual comes to me and says, Pastor Alex, I'm struggling financially, blah, 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 what should I do? The first question I'll ask is, are you tithing? Not because I need their money, guys. Come on. We don't, I don't need their money. I mean, you know, we don't need it. Thank God we don't need it. Are you with me? So I'm not like, oh, you know, how much money can they give us? I'm not going to, that's ridiculous. The first thing I know is that the, the promise is connected to that giving, to putting God first. So how can this not be taught? How can this not be important? This is extremely important. Does that mean that now because you give the tithe, you can waste your money and be slothful in your spending and be a fool with your money and part with it easily? No, you have to be wise. God's not gonna bless you if you do really foolish things. That's why I said last week, don't think that it's like you put one good part in, now everything else must come together when everything else is disorderly. It doesn't work that way. That's why the abundance is in all things, in all areas. So we have to be obedient to God. Now what if I can't give 10%? Well then start somewhere, but put him first in that line item. Make that your first priority and begin to work towards it. But if you want that abundant financial blessing that comes from God, clearly through the book of Malachi, church, let me tell you, a tithe, is not there to put you under bondage. It is there to put you under the blessing. Amen. Amen. And it's my heart's desire as your pastor to see each and every one of you prosperous and abundant in every area, including your finances. I desire to see you the head and not the tail, to see you above and not not beneath, to see you have breakthrough, to see you have, have have promotion, to see you have promotion in your job, to see you have new businesses, to see you have new blessings. That's our desire. Amen. So I feel it's so important that we fully grasp and understand that it's in every area of our lives. And guys, this message this morning is not in any way to make you feel guilty. Well, now you must go and figure out all the 20 years that you didn't tithe. No, no. Put God first in that area now. I remember when, when, when I finally surrendered because I always knew it was the right thing to do. And years ago, I made that decision. Listen, this is clearly what God wants. You know, I, I just, I keep struggling. I never get breakthrough. And I finally made that decision that I'm going to tithe, no matter what. And I've just seen the hand of the Lord so mighty. Why? Because I believe all His promises are true. Amen. So the question is very simple. Do you have to do it? No, let me ask you the question. Do you want to do it? Do you want to put God first? You make that choice and you're not under any condemnation or obligation because God loves a cheerful giver. But for goodness sake, (laughs) 
like in every area, your marriage, your worship, your time, every area, put him first and watch how he will bless you. Let's pray. Father, this morning in this place, we are so grateful that your abundance, Lord, is not measured by finances. Lord, that your abundance, that the kingdom is righteousness, joy, and peace. But we also understand that you have called us to walk abundantly, to be blessed, to be prosperous in all areas for all things so that we can continue to do the work that you've called us to do. Lord, I pray for any family this morning in this place or watching online that is struggling financially. It's such a difficult place to be. And I ask God that you would touch them, Father, and that you would bless them, Lord, that you would give promotions and give jobs and give breakthroughs. Lord, to those that are in need, I ask, Lord, that you would encounter them in that area. I also pray, Father, that like in our giving, we would give you and put you first in every area. For Father, that's our desire. Did we not say your way? Did we not say we'll give it all to you, Lord? Did we not say that we would love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength? So we make a decision as a church, Father, to put you first in every area. I thank you, Lord, that your word is clear, that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We honor you and we love you, Lord. And I give you thanks for every person in this place and watching online as well. Now I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship with the Spirit be with each and every one of you as you leave this place today. Go in his peace and the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.